So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, man fans. Ollie Man here with, uh, as you can see from the episode title, the first ever sequel uh, we've done on The Modern Man. This is the second part of a conversation that was begun in uh, October last year, three months before our respective sons were born, with the stand-up comedians Stuart Goldsmith and Tom Price. We did an episode back then, season one, episode five, uh, talking about our impending prospective fatherhoods, uh, and this time, three months into our fatherhoods, uh, we've uh, reunified uh, to discuss life on the other side of parenthood Uh, i hope you enjoy it we had a phenomenal reaction actually last time we had a discussion like this Uh, partly because i think people think you just never really hear men talk about this stuff and and this week is no different there's a bit where uh, for want of a better phrase we talk about male postnatal depression which is something I've never heard discussed anywhere before. It's new to me. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, before we get on with the show proper, though, uh, big thanks to Magnus, uh, who has been in touch about my newfound love for spelt fusily. Uh, you will remember last week that we were talking about pasta substitutes, uh, and I said how much I was enjoying that one. Uh, well, he has tweeted at the modern man to suggest that I would love organic endamami and mung bean fettuccine. Uh, He says 50 grams is a decent serving. Try it with pesto, halloumi or goat's cheese and some cherry tomatoes. Uh, Well, Magnus, you'll be thrilled to know uh, that I have ordered some. Uh, A six-pack on Amazon is £17.91, so that had better be some tasty mung. Uh, But I will report back next week. Uh, And finally, a big hello to those of you who have joined us this week because you saw us featured as podcast of the week in the commuter tabloid free sheet newspaper Metro. Welcome to the show, Metro readers. Congratulations on your choice of paper. It is unequivocally the paper of record. Right, on today's show, you will learn what the hell a You Me Dream Sheep is. Uh, You'll learn how to use your smartphone to clench your pelvic floor muscles. And you'll learn how to learn a language the way that only Ollie Peart can. Let's go. On this week's Modern Man. The pool became a giant toilet. It was absolutely revolting. The magical moments of childbirth, as they really are. It's like a Fitbit for your bits. And if your orgasms are affected, should you be loyal to your coil? We Climax with Alex Fox. But first, it's that section of the show that our listener statistics tell us very few of you switch off during. It's the zeitgeist, and Ollie Peart is here with his trends of the week. Hello, Ollie. Uh, bonsoir, monsieur. Excellent. We have uh, seamlessly reminded the audience that you did promise this week you would explain why on earth you've been talking in French. 
because I would love to move there. So I thought I'm, I'm going to apply multiple methods. It's a bit of a bit of an experiment to help myself learn French without L- actually the getting French. Multiplay. I don't want to pay anyone to learn because why would I do that? This is the 21st century. Oh, no one gets paid for nothing. It's what idiots do, isn't it? Go exactly. on a professional course. So Google Translate. I have yeah. translated everything in my house and stuck post-it notes to it. That's great. I did that for my um, A-level history as a, an aid memoir. I, I put sort of facts around the house on post-it notes, but it did look a bit like I was a, a champion for Hitler because as you, as you went down the stairs in my parents' house, it was like, 1933, Hitler becomes Chancellor. I did wonder what their guests might think. Also, that's the, that, like, that must be harder to learn because mine are applied to things which they are, whereas mm-hmm. yours are just historical fla- facts that are just hanging around the place. Well, the idea was, I guess, that in the A-level history exam, you'd think, ah, oh, when was it Hitler became Chancellor again? Oh, yeah, stairs to the dining room. Oh, right. You sort of associate two objects. Oh, that's we're going into mind mapping now. Let's not talk about okay, that. Okay, fine. All right. Anyway, but that works. It's so really, and it's really it, good. Reboard de fenêtre, yeah. right? That is windowsill. <laughs> so I say it does work. C'est bon. Le table, le table basse. That is a coffee table. Yeah. They anyway. don't teach you the accent. That much is clear. Uh, le table basse. Mm-hmm. I'm using Duolingo. Duolingo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is a free language app. You can right. learn something like, I don't know, 50 different languages if you want. But the other one is I've changed my phone to French. Changer mon smartphone en français. En français. You're quite good. Yeah. What I didn't realise is that it would change absolutely everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, really? Google. Everything on here is in French. But so, okay, so if I if I post a tweet in English, that doesn't come up in French on your phone, does it? Well, no, no. It translates like so I'm moi instead of me on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like Miss Piggy. <laughs> yeah, and if I go and I want to write a tweet, it says quoi de neuf? But the best one is this. Right, I'm going to demonstrate this because I really want to do this. You know uh, Google? I've heard of it. The app, which is Google Now. So you say, OK, Google, and then it does its thing. Yeah, so it's always on. It's always listening to, to, to the world around you. Yeah. So oui. I've got this on now. Just uh-huh. check this out, right? So I'm going to do it. How would English, right? Yeah. OK, Google. Nothing. It's not making a noise, right, yeah. Watch this. Uh-huh. OK, Google. No. Oh, my God, it worked. Oh, no. <laughs> you look at that. Have and you got it in patronising imitation French mode? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like whoever does the accents at Google has just gone, yeah, French people sound a bit That's like really that. That's really funny, <laughs> like, isn't it? Yeah. And it works. But anyway, I'm learning French. What are your trends of the week? Virtual reality. You've already talked about this being a trend of the year. Well, yeah. And it but- ain't happening yet. Is what I say. <laughs> Something that people talk about, isn't it? PR people, but no one's really walking around with virtual reality headsets on, are they? Bump into things. No, yeah, exactly. And you do look like an idiot. I went to Singapore in February and uh, they had this Samsung virtual reality headset. Yeah. And I put it on. I was with my dad and my brother. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is really interesting, actually. And uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's quite good. I haven't used this before. This is good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Took it off. They're gone on purpose to make me look like an idiot. And that's going to happen all the time. I do the other thing that happens as well is when you're trying it on, because, you know, when I've gone to do my tech column and I've gone to a gadget show or whatever and I've put it on, Hmm. if you try audio describing what you're seeing, you talk really, really loud. Like you don't realise how loud you're talking. (laughs) So you're standing in the middle of the trade fair going, yeah, this is absolutely excellent. (laughs) just sound like such a dick. And look like one. Yeah, exactly. But uh, now small children are going to look like idiots. Uh, Samsung have released a press release. Fast becoming the catchphrase of this lot. (laughs) It is, isn't it? (laughs) The king of press releases. And basically they've created a bedtime story time. Bed story time. Bedtime story time. (laughs) But I can't even think how to say this. A bedtime story app? Exactly that. For virtual reality? Yeah. And they've posted it with a video. And basically 
the video suggests that there's so there's this mum and her daughter, mm. and the mum's like, oh, I've got to go away on business because we've got to earn money to pay for you, you little bastard. Yeah. Um, and then she goes away. Got to work hard to keep you in virtual reality <laughs> headsets. Yeah, exactly. That essential thing. Very expensive, <laughs> even though it's a cardboard one with a massive penguin on the front. Uh-huh. So she gets to her hotel. It's bedtime for the kid. They both put their headsets on, and then they're in this virtual reality story, bedtime story. Oh, God. And they're both like f- furry pink heads. And then the mum can guide her daughter through this amazing story while she's thousands of miles away or hundreds of miles away or just around the corners because she wants a piece of quiet. I don't know. It seems to me, and, and uh, my son is not yet of an age where we really read him a bedtime story so much as sort of point at a picture of a zebra in a book and that's about as much as he can handle. Mm. It seems to me the purpose of a bedtime story is dual-pronged. Uh, the first prong is to fire up their imagination in the way that Samsung seemed to be encouraging. Mm. The second is to get them to go the hell to sleep. <laughs> surely, yeah. surely immersing them in a virtual world isn't that. No, actually, that's a good that's point. That's the opposite I mean, that, of getting them to sleep, isn't that it? That is stimulation overload, Hyper stimulation. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's mental. And the story F- that they... Firing cathode rays into their eyeballs <laughs> yeah. just before they go to sleep. Just think about it, yeah, I've, I've read a million and one articles about how mobile phones keep you awake before you go to sleep and yeah. that kind of thing. So why would you put one in front of your kid's face just before they're about to go to bed? It seems counterintuitive at best. But I think there's a, a more fundamental flaw that I picked up on while watching that. And mm-hmm. it just stood out. And I just thought, this is... It's just a sign of the times. I think this is ridiculous, Ollie. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you think of this, because I think it's quite profound. I'm ready to be hyper-cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dialed up cynical mode to 11. Why, if you have that technology where you can converse with people, is she travelling all the way to, oh, on yes. business right, when yeah. she could spend that time with her kid Good and then point. do business via the VR headset? You're absolutely right. She should be doing the virtual reality meeting with her business partner. Samsung, yeah. saw your shit out. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, right, okay, great idea, brilliant yeah. technology in that, but we should be applying it completely differently. I, actually, I it's a rare, rare moment where I agree with you wholeheartedly. I quite enjoy seeing you nod the yeah. other way. Yeah. yeah. That's a shake, that one, that's a nod. Yeah, but you, you see, you wouldn't see this physical reaction if we weren't in the same room. Think about that. Think about how that tallies with what you just suggested. And I've left my child at home, hungry and alone. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to your other trend of the week. Beards. Always with the beards. Well, I know. We've talked You're about You're trying beards before, to make them we? fashionable isn't going to happen. No, but no. Just I'm trying not, to make I, yourself cooler. I'm, I'm not. I, I read an article in The Guardian. About, credible source. Yeah, yeah. 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 Credible source. It is. Yeah. I'm not, you know. Well, you sounded like you were being really sarcastic. No, leading liberal voice. <laughs> the dentist beard, in particular, is what I'm talking about. Have right. you heard of this? No. Okay. So basically, I've got a beard now. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hands in a position to demonstrate what a dentist beard looks like. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you've made yourself, listeners, he's made himself look like the Lorax. Yeah. Like, if you don't know what I'm doing, just Google it. Just Google the dentist. Yeah. And just see he's like. put um, hands on the side of his face. It's, it's yeah. a goatee, yeah, yeah. right? But with the with the moustache and the right. beard and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, the suggestion in the article is that it's a new trend because George Clooney's got one. Harrison Ford's got one. Boris Becker's got one. Why anyone would follow what Boris Becker does, I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. Boris Becker's the kind of person that seems to get quoted a lot in the Brexit campaign. Does he? He Ian Botham was brought out of retirement last weekend to give his views on the Brexit campaign. Like, anyone makes their mind up based on what Ian Botham thinks about anything. Yeah, who cares? Who pulled him out? Yeah, What's he even doing? He's just posting pictures of his cock on Twitter. Is he? He did do that, didn't he? Botham? Yeah. Seems a very un-Botham-y thing to do. Google it, it's disgusting. You look (laughs) evil with this beard. Yeah. You look really evil with okay. it. It's not. It's never. It's not going to be a trend, right? Anyway, and I was just reading this thing, and then Pierre and, and, takes and, on the Guardian. The, yeah, yeah, Guardian. Take <laughs> this, swines. They linked to a, a study about facial shapes mm-hmm. or shapes on your face and how they can sort of suggest 
emotions, right? Oh, right. And upside-down triangles apparently portray negative emotions. (laughs) They are really negative, really, really bad. The suggestion is that you have to be really careful when you're cutting your dentist's beard, otherwise you'll look like an evil bastard or genius. Huh. Like, I would urge people not to to get this done. It looks horrendous. Okay. It's horrible. Or should I say, okay, Google, uh, <laughs> do you have a final <laughs> trend of the week for us? Radiohead. <laughs> They've been around for quite a while. They so have. They're not necessarily sort of an ongoing Since trend. before I had pubes. Really? Yeah. Okay, computer came out when I was 16. I remember that very distinctly. Okay, computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Benz, therefore, I'm guessing, was what, two, three, four years before? I'd just, I'd just gone pubic. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Well, uh, the Benz was my first album, by the way, that I bought from Slough Records on CD. Excellent That's fact. Cool. That is a good fact. That's isn't brilliant. It? I mean, the Wikipedia entries of the future about Ollie Pierce are going to footnote that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And link to it yeah. to nothing because yeah. Radiohead have deleted themselves from the internet, sort of. Oh, if you hadn't said sort of, I was just about to say, really? That sounds like a massive story that I haven't seen. It is. Well, no, I say sort of because what they've done. So on Facebook, they've removed all of their posts ever. Really? But they've yeah. still got all their followers. But uh-huh. They've removed all, all of their posts. Followers they've, of nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, like over 11 million of them, I think. They've removed all of their tweets. Tom York's removed all of his tweets. Their uh-huh. website is no longer there. I mean, you can go there. You don't get a 404 or anything. It's just a white screen. Is this a sort of arty thing or is this a... Uh, well, uh, this is the thing, Ollie. Nobody knows, and the internet's losing its shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going absolutely berserk. It's like, what does this mean? What are they going to do? Well, publicity is what they are doing, and they've got it. And the presumption is that they're going to release an album, which is a fair thing to presume. Well, they're a band. They they are a band. I mean, that is how they make their money. That is how they make their money. But why? I can't quite figure out why you would do what they're doing. Well, pr- presumably, I'm guessing here, because I've, I've just literally heard this story for the first time ever, but presumably their, their new uh, collection of work is going to be about the internet or internet freedom or about, you know, how all the corporations are spying on us, etc., etc. Uh, plus, it has the neat effect, as you just suggested, of uh, actually drawing attention to the fact they're about to release something. Yes. That's my guess. The last one was, basically, the only way you could get hold of the album was through BitTorrent, mm-hmm. and it, you could pay whatever you wanted, nothing or a million pounds mm. for the album. I didn't pay anything. But now, I whenever I start pounds. my computer, BitTorrent always starts. It. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's annoying, Tom York. I had to download BitTorrent for that album. Anyway, whatever, I'm, I'm digressing. But it's just, it's quite another thing. They also deleted themselves from Google+, which someone noted, which is weird because no one ever uses it. So I don't know who noticed that. That is probably the, the, the one uh, event on Google+, that has gained any traction in the last six months, I'd argue. <laughs> Yeah, do you use use Google Plus? Only when PR people that I don't want to speak to try and invite me on uh, conference calls that I don't want to attend. But but I understand the bandwidth is seamless. (laughs) Uh, As this episode of The Zeitgeist was, Ollie. Merci. Oui, merci, uh, Monsieur Ollie Man. Abiento. Right. OK, Google. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, let's talk 
fatherhood. Uh, it's incredible to think that just three months ago, I didn't know the words to horsey horsey, and no one had puked on me for over a decade. Uh, but that all changed with the birth of my son, Harvey, in January, more or less exactly the same time, by complete coincidence, uh, that my friends, the stand-up comics Tom Price and Stuart Goldsmith, also, by complete coincidence, became fathers to sons with their respective partners. Uh, Tom for the second time, Stuart for the first. Uh, So recently we all met up to share stories and talk baby gadgets and coping mechanisms. Uh, But to begin with, inevitably, we, we did what all new dads do. We compared notes about just how tired we were. There's a great Alex Ferguson phrase about having a head full of mints when you've, someone's been talking to you constantly and you can't have any natural thoughts yourself because your brain is just swirling with random things. And the problem is my older son is three and a half, nearly four. He's at a stage where he just talks constantly and needs a reaction from you. And then my younger son is now four months old, which is a really difficult stage. I do want to say just straight off the bat, you people, and I'm looking at you now as a parent, Tom, you people are champions and I have no idea... And now that I've got a baby, it has radically changed my opinion of parents. I had no idea what you were all going through. Here's the thing. You were never tired before. Every time you ever said, I'm really, I'm really tired before you had a kid. No, no you weren't. Uh, well, I don't entirely agree with that because I don't think I'm any more physically tired than at the, my tiredest in the past. Mm. It's just that what's at stake is completely different. Yeah. It's like like now you're. I'm really tired and I can't luxuriate I can't sleep I feel like I'm frequently exhausted yeah. but what's changed is my ability to do anything about it the opportunity to do anything about it yeah. the time to do anything about it and yeah I forget the end of the sentence <laughs> I wonder if okay. we're all we're all tired <laughs> so what's, what's your sitch at the moment so how well is he sleeping okay how well is he sleeping is the quintessential question isn't it I didn't know that before having a baby that's the thing that actually yeah, everyone because, that's the thing yeah, parents ask each other absolutely because that's the base point it's like what do you do for a living it's like how are you what's the point in us having a conversation unless I know whether you're talking to me having had five hours in a row or no hours in a yes. row. It's, it's establishing the territory. It's like saying, are you terribly ill or are you okay? Let's just talk about how the labours went. It sounds like yours went tough. So do you want to start? Uh, it was 26 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, From waters breaking? Waters break? Uh, it was an induction. Okay. So we were uh, t- uh, 12 days over, which is as much as the NHS will allow. Yeah. yeah. Then we had the pessary, which is like, uh, it's like a tampon made by the Terminator. Yeah. We went home... That kicked everything off, but really he wasn't ready to come out. Okay. We went back into the... Uh, producer Matt is wincing because he's going to be a father soon as well. Oh, I see. I didn't know. I, was, I didn't realise. He's I'm actually sorry, literally really looking really. away as I describe sort of this. Yeah, this didn't happen to us. Don't worry. It could be totally different. Um, okay. After three hours of waiting around, we were pronounced in labour. So we went into the birth centre. We tried to do it all naturally. Twelve hours later, he wasn't ready to come out. So we went downstairs to have a drip. So we wanted an epidural, but we had to wait three and a half hours for that. Uh, and then after the epidural, then we had uh, like everything except a C-section. So like, you oh know, scissors, uh, mangles, yeah, oh forceps. God. And it was awful. That was literally the worst day of my life. Oh, yeah, easily. Oh yeah. And, and because I'm thinking, because actually, because you're doing the whole thing of like, and I'm not saying, like, obviously it was much worse for my partner who was doing the physical work. I was awake for 26 hours going, go on, you can do it. Push harder, push harder. And like actually thinking, God, this could, you could die here. Like it's unlikely, but it could happen. We could lose both of you. And then when you see the baby, it just turns into literally the best day of your life, doesn't it? It is that 
I, I just couldn't believe that both those things happened so quickly. I, I had a completely inverted version of that experience. We had a really, you know, difficult. She was great. She was a champion. She did it on gas and air, no drugs, no nothing else, mostly in the pool. We had a doula. So a doula is a, a somewhere between a midwife and a really experienced mum. So I ask uh, my partner, uh, her waters broke at four in the morning and then we called the doula at about six in the evening. My partner wandered around the house. The doula was so great. Go, go in this position, go in this but position. it was a home birth? Yeah, no, 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 no. It, um, until about 10 or 11, maybe 11 at night, where, because we had a doula there, someone who's been through it, she said, yeah, it's time to go in now. Ring the hospital, tell them this, use these words. Okay, we've got one in three, you know, in terms of contractions. Yeah. And she was looking really munted and, you know. She's, and they so, sort of leave, don't they? They go to a different yeah, place. Absolutely. And then we went into hospital, we got the birth room that we wanted, the birth in the uh, suite, not the delivery suite, it was got the midwife-led unit. And she was in the pool for about five hours. And then it was starting to happen, but very much more slowly than she thought. The doula was like, look at her in the eye, you're doing great. I was like, is she? And afterwards, I realized, oh, it doesn't matter if she's doing great. You just tell her she's doing great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell her she's doing great constantly. Yeah. You're doing great, you're doing great, you're doing great. Out of the pool, about an hour and a half later, um, she gave birth and, it, you know, veins on her neck were popping out and she'd been sick on herself. And we worked out afterwards about 20 times. She was just sick, 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 oh. sick, sick. And the head comes out and they're like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> and then, bang, all the rest of the baby. And then she had to have anti-nausea drugs. So she, so the first 15 minutes I held him. Mm. And I fe- and so an inverted version of the experience, relatively calm, but at that point I expected to be hit with an enormous wash of love and endorphins, and I wasn't. And I was very glad that certain friends of mine had said, "Hey, listen, when you first look at him, if you don't don't panic that you don't love him because it might take a couple of days." That's a really, really, really valid thing for me. I really got that with both births. Because I, I remember this, there's lots of moments in Friends, Only Fools and Horses, when Rodney holds the baby at the window. That moment, that's going to happen to me. I'm going to hold him and go, you're my little boy. You didn't there. get that either? Not at all, not an ounce. So I totally got it. But what, So what did you feel? I just felt... Just exhaustion? I just felt exhausted. I felt like I could see most of my wife's uh, intestines on a, on a plate in front of me because that was the afterbirth and it, is, it just looks like intestines and she had uh, sustained bad injuries again and it was a repeat of the first time and she did the whole thing on gas and air. So did again forceps? Not forceps, no. 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 So, she, did, she was amazing, she did brilliantly well but it was, it was utterly uh, traumatising. She, she had a, at the end of it we had a, a doula as well, we had a, a midwife uh, which I would recommend. It's not vastly expensive to hire a midwife actually, it's not going to destroy you and it from a man's point of view it makes a great great difference because you're not driving it you can hand over because you have to hand over you can do some encouragement but you can't control it you haven't got any experience I was managing the playlist so I thought that's that great really that's, yeah I was all over the bozy did you I was get, all were you in the, the pool yeah. She went in the pool briefly, but it slowed everything down. Oh, we were in the pool. It gave us a moment to listen pool. to Boy and Did you get in with yeah. her? I was in there Did for you? like five hours. Yeah, man. Yeah, one or two, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the turds thing. Right, okay, let's talk about that as well. Because the act of pushing, push, 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 when they explain to you what that involves, it's the same motion as having a shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is never, I've literally never seen that depicted in a romantic comedy, even the ones that claim to be gritty. <laughs> yeah, um, so what it means is that they're going to have a, a reaction, Tiny little poos in the And they're going to keep pooing and pooing and 
and booing. Mm. And we weren't in a pool. We were, like I say, we were at this point having an epidural, so she couldn't feel it. But of course, she kept shitting. Choice. Probably better in the pool then, because when it's in the pool, it's you just see a little floaty thing. You get a sieve and you whip it out, and it actually wasn't a big deal at all. The pool became a giant toilet. It was absolutely revolting. It was so horrific. It's, it's, it's awful. There's nothing you can do. I just want to stand up for the pool. The poos, <laughs> the poos in the oh, pool, the pool were, were not a problem. The pool as a device the was great. great. The poos yeah. weren't an issue for us. The pool was really, really good. The pool was really good. Uh, anyway, so but yeah, so no, getting back to that thing of, of, of that moment, standing by the window, looking into the eyes of your son yeah. and going, welcome to the world, I'm your dad. You, I, you don't have it. And it's really important that you prepare yourself for that. Maybe you will have it as you did. I had, so, okay. So I've, I've, I, it's because I'd been awake for, you know, a day and a bit, I think. And it is partly because he does look exactly like me. And I'm not such a narcissist that that matters. I didn't think it mattered. But the reaction both of us had when we saw him was shit he looks just like you you know there's a reason why they, in nature why that happens well supposedly anthropologically That's... it's to stop the dad buggering off buggering isn't it? Off. Yeah, yeah yeah I've got to go so I've got to go and top up the parking see you later <laughs> <laughs> he looks like me fuck um, it I'll get, I'll get a fine It'll be on fine. the on the subject of that rush of endorphins yeah and I don't if, I just, well I couldn't talk that's what happened. Wow. It, I've never felt anything that's, so powerfully. incredible. Helen I, Zaltzman will be gobsmacked <laughs> by that. I broke down in tears, wow. but also for the next three hours, I couldn't say... I, wanted, I called my parents to tell them that they were grandparents, and I couldn't say the words. They, they thought I was taking the piss. Like afterwards, they were like, why are we doing that funny voice on the phone? <laughs> I was like, no, that was me trying really hard to talk. Oh, that's lovely. I actually couldn't say it. That's so but nice. But I was completely overwhelmed with it. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was actually debilitating. I found the first month, even six weeks, I just wasn't enjoying it as much as I felt I should be. And I'm someone who has had sort of dalliances with uh, depression and anxiety a lot in the past. And I was thinking, is this is there a postnatal element to this? Or is it just me being me and approaching the birth? I expected it to change my life. And you go, no, oh, it's actually just me. It's like going travelling. You go, oh, here I am, still this guy. Um, and I found it. I did, I'm not doing all the milky bonding with the boy. And I'm doing a lot of tasks. I was being the quartermaster and I was going, right, my job is know what's in the fridge, know what's in the freezer, cook all the food, do all the washing up, do all the stuff. I was doing all of that. I set myself that role and I'm glad I did. And I had about, I had maybe two or three weeks off work, but with the old night where I had to go and gig. I found it much harder than I expected to. And I, I found it unrewarding and I felt like I've got this baby here and when I come home and I talk to him, he doesn't recognise me, he doesn't, re- doesn't respond to sound, he doesn't respond to anything, he doesn't know that I'm me, he doesn't know that I love him. I was singing to him constantly. I think in some ways for the first week I was over-delivering because I'm an uncle and a godfather and I was trying to be an amazing dad and he couldn't give a shit. He was doing an awful lot of, obviously he was doing a lot of crying and sleeping and feeding and that was it and I was there going but I'm, I'm supposed to be bonding with my kid I'm supposed to be knocked out with love and emotion and, and I'm not I'm very happy to say of course now we're, we're getting on famously you know but I, I really I had another I had another parent say to me during that six week period they said this is the grind because that's that's another reason anthropologically that they smile at six weeks Apparently, because by by six weeks, because by six weeks you're like, I am out of here. This is horse shit. And then just you know, literally pack all your stuff, get into the hallway, opening the front door, and you turn around, and it's grinning at you, and you're like, oh, I might stay. Uh, Tom, how has the experience been different second time round? So you have a son, Wilfred, who's now four. Yeah, nearly. Yeah, yeah, and and now a, a three month old baby. Yeah, so you're so much more comfortable within your own skin as a parent because before you have the first one, you're obviously goes without saying you're not a parent. And then your identity becomes 
being a parent. That is what you become about, really, when you've had your kid. And so by the time the second one comes along, you're like, yeah, I've got this, it's fine. And also there is constantly evidence that you don't kill children, you, that you're not so bad at it that, that, that it dies. You know, you just look at you go, fine. My judgment, my judgment call when Wilford had this, when he was six months old, was X. He's over there, currently dressed as Batman, running around for the 19th hour of the day. Therefore, my judgment call was correct. So you, you, you trust yourself. And this was a big problem we had with the first one. We didn't trust ourselves. And we spent so much time Googling stuff, emailing people, reaching out to find answers, when actually the answer is just to go, my instinct is that, do that thing. We've all talked about um, feeling different by becoming parents. It, it's not just about being a parent, though, is it? To, to me, I feel a bit like I've become a grown-up. Yeah, definitely. I look at pictures of myself before I had a kid, and I'm just like, that guy's a completely different person. I think the act of having a child obliterates the person that you were. Absolutely. I absolutely feel like the, I am a completely new person. I have, I have been destroyed, and I have regrown. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I really feel like that, because... Uh, you fit into the world differently. I, I try. I, here's a joke about it that doesn't work. This is what I mean, though. It doesn't. It's not a successful joke. I haven't managed to make it funny. But I used to feel like I was Robin Hood, and I've realised that I'm just Moss. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm the environment. I'm not the hero anymore. I'm not the protagonist. I'm part of the environment. Yeah. And, and that is for an. I mean, we're both stand-up comedians. For a narcissist like me, certainly, yeah. that is an enormously self-obliterating thing to realise. And very comforting as well, don't you find? I find it very... I, I like the fact that I don't fundamentally care about anything else now. But the it's urge to provide, that's there. Now, that's very it? interesting. I, I find that it really made me tune in and... You know, instead of sitting down and sort of faffing around, thinking, you know, getting on Facebook and Twitter, I sit down at my computer and go, right, I need to email these bookers, I need to email this person. Like, it's much more of a machine now, the administrative side of things, to to reach out and get new work. Because I'm like, it's not just for me to do for fun. It's for me because I need to provide. You do focus a bit more, don't you? That's interesting. Like, you're knackered and you don't have any time, but the time you do have, you actually work really hard. Yeah. The first time I went to a cafe to sit down, I got like a core hour. This is what we do. I go, I I say, babe, I need a core hour. I've got a, you know, we we need money. In order for us to keep having money, I need to spend an hour writing jokes on the show. So I was like, right, I'm getting my first ever core hour. Uh, I was sat in a cafe near us and um, that's different to cafe near And I, uh, I, that's, I that's good yeah you write that one down <laughs> and then I had an incredibly focused hour mm. and did loads of work yeah okay last time we were saying that it's very very difficult to distinguish what are the products you should be buying ahead of the child being born because yeah. everyone gives you contradictory advice mm-hmm. now it's fresh in our minds yeah genuine piece of advice for listeners about to become fathers okay what is the one indispensable product people should buy the first one that jumps to mind oh I've got two can I do two because I think they're both really good one is a thing called you and the dream sheep which okay. is okay. This is new to me. It's a little. Oh, I've got two as well. I just realised. I've got okay, two. okay, we'll do two. Okay, it's a little round toy sheep. It's about the size. It's about a kind of half the damage of a football, and it's got a speaker inside it. And on its legs, each four of it, it's a soft little toy, and it's got buttons inside on the legs. And you can press one and get static. You can press one and get a heartbeat noise. You can press one and get an an a non-musical sequence of notes. So there's no repeated pattern, but it's a da 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 thing like that. And you press them and it lasts for 25 minutes. And it's absolutely brilliant for putting next to him. And the, the material of it, you can sort of rub it on your body so it smells a bit like you. And so this is a comforting thing that smells of daddy or smells of mummy. And it plays a nice noise. That We use that every single night and often during the day. And the second to, thing... To I get would, him to sleep. 
Uh, to help him to sleep, to help yeah. him comfort him, yeah. Okay. The static. I, it's I would interesting how any... you call it comforting, although what you're actually doing is hypnotising your son to sleep using we are, We are training means. him to only fall asleep to static, and I'm worried about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. because we've got a lot of apps of, like, sea noise and well, ocean noise that, Okay, so, like that. so yeah, one of my two was mine. that. Yeah. Was it, would yeah. it be yours? Okay, so mine yeah. is the Sound Sleeper app. It's, it's an app that generates white noise. I had no idea this was a thing. There's some that do womb noise as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, so it's, supposed it's amazing. To sound, it does yeah, work. It really works. Because you you're supposed to be quiet around the baby, yeah. but quietness is weird to the baby right. because the baby's been listening well. to... For nine exactly. months. It sounds sleeper man, if you're listening, the guy who invented that, if I ever meet you, I, I, I was going to say I'll buy you a beer, but literally I'll buy you a holiday. <laughs> Tom, what's your other first choice? Well, I, it's called, I think it's called a sleep pod. Or is it called a sleep pod? Oh, yeah, the pod? thing that's... Sleepy head? Yeah, sleepy head. It's, it's basically... It didn't imagine, work for us. It, oh, right, okay. Well, you'd imagine... Uh, actually, no, no, I'm going to change my mind. Sorry. Okay. The thing I would recommend is like a side saddle for the bed. It's like a postillion that goes oh, yeah, on the yeah. side of the bed. And rather it, than a Moses basket. Rather than a Moses basket, it actually shucks onto the side of the bed. It straps itself on the side and presumably it'll go on the side of the, the mum. Uh, and she can then lie down in her bed next to this sort of bed extension. And as a result, they're basically co-sleeping, but not in a... But not in the same place. Not Because there is some element of risk about co-sleeping, apparently. I'm not even going to go into that because I'm definitely not a doctor. You but, did last time. You, right, in okay. detail. I, I've, I've, <laughs> since, I've since had my medical degree uh, rescinded. Uh, it's, re- it's worked beautifully well. Um, and she sleeps every night next to him and he sleeps relatively really well. Meanwhile, I am not sleeping in with my wife. I have not slept in the marital bed since the 19th of December. I am on a bunk bed with my son sleeping in a dorm. <laughs> that is how my life is working at the moment. Product number two, Stuart. Well, you sounded like you were about to start describing it. We've got a thing called this. I think the manufacturer is Sleepyhead. I call it a poddle pod because uh, that's a different manufacturer, but I think we actually got the sleep. Same difference. It's sort of like a uh, an oval donut yeah, exactly that, they can't, it, yeah. that they can't roll out of. So you can put him into it and you can just put him down for a minute. Even if he's crying, you can put him down somewhere, do a thing, and he can't injure himself or roll out. does he like it? Because can... some babies apparently... I don't care. No. <laughs> Can't like it. Like That's it. what I'm talking He's about. Alive. He's alive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a potential sponsor because this is actually a, a, a product. Uh, you talk to Rockabye Baby. Go to rockabybaby.com. Oh, Do you know what this? Yeah. Explain what this is. So they have recorded covers of genuinely good music that grown-ups like, and they've done lullaby versions of them. No. So they are calming for your baby. They're soothing, but they're the Metallica Black album. They're an Aerosmith album. They're a Radiohead album. They're the best of Björk. But turned into a lullaby. They work for adults anyway. Listen, it's one of the best moments of my wife's life was after that first year when I got an amalgamation of all the pictures we'd taken over the first year and I made a video on iMovie and I put the soundtrack of the lullaby version of Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. (laughs) Smashed it. Absolutely (laughs) smashed it. But they're good. I've got one on my phone. You download a bunch of them and just if if the baby is acting up or unhappy or in the car, you know, long journey or what have you, chuck that on. And it's just this, you know, it's twinkly, winkly, you know, yeah. glockenspiel-y's iPhone Oh, God, music. if I never hear uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star no, ever no, again. No, but this is it. You never have to. You can listen to I can't hear Kid that A. Don't you, don't you think, <laughs> Joe, I know you're trying to wrap this up, Ollie, and this is unhelpful for me saying this, but don't you feel that as a person you're more uninhibited by what's happened? Like almost, maybe the tide just makes you a little bit drunk. Maybe it's like you're a bit tipsy. But I don't have all the voices going don't say that don't do that yeah. why are you speaking to him like that Why? what happens if you talk to do you know what I mean does that make sense and I just feel I just feel much looser and freer as a person because of having this kid I, I think I, well I, I don't want to get too dark here but my father died 
six days after my son was born. Yeah. And I dealt with that a lot better, I think. Of course. Because I was emotionally open from this experience of having a son. Yeah. In ways that just you can't really explain. But it just means that for all the things we've talked about, it puts everything into context. You sort of think this is your primary focus now. Yeah. And I didn't have a problem talking about how I felt about it, which probably I would have just a few weeks before. Yeah, yeah. It reprioritizes somehow. I don't know. It reprograms your brain in a really, in a, in a good way, I think. Yeah. Group hug? <laughs> <laughs> Next no, time. No, I can't. I've got sick on me. <laughs> I genuinely have. Tom Price and Stuart Goldsmith there. We were talking backstage at the Soho Theatre, so thanks to them as well. Uh, if you'd like to hear more from Tom and Stu, and I'd recommend that you do, uh, Stuart's podcast, The Comedian's Comedian, is absolutely excellent. It's him doing a really in-depth, long-form interview with another comic, a different one each week. There's one uh, that's a two-part extravaganza, actually, with Jimmy Carr out at the moment, which is well worth a listen. Uh, and Tom Price, you can hear presenting a brilliant show in Wales called The Leak, uh, L-E-A-K, but the great thing about the internet obviously is it's not just on radio wales it's it's on the web as well uh, there's a podcast and everything and uh, that's back very soon i'll put the links to both those things on our website modernman uk. Uh, right alex fox will answer your sex questions after this the modern man is free to download but it is not free to produce i don't do interviews over the phone i want to bring you honesty and insight because i go and meet my guests face to face that costs money and our advertising doesn't cover it so if you enjoy the show and you'd like to buy us a beer to say thanks please just go to modernman.co.uk and click beer money this week big thanks to andrew john jm richard neil tom alan and christian who says that ollie peart was wrong about the required memory space to install doom uh, Christian points out that only 2.4 megabytes were needed to install the shareware version of the game that only contained one third of the levels. It's that kind of geeky feedback, Christian, that we wouldn't ordinarily include on the show, but you literally bought it. Thanks. Your hole, my hole, we all scream foxhole for Alex Fox, who's here with your questions of sex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Ollie. For once, I don't know what to say about people <laughs> screaming down my hole. Make it sound like much more of an abyss than it actually is. You're flogging some sex stuff this week. I am taking part in a charity event called Rumble in the Jumble mm-hmm. uh, on the 14th of May, where loads of celebrities give their their old clothes. We've got people like Kate Moss and Elton John has given us a sequin suit, I think. Mm, Could have got the... some A-listers. But for the first year... I will be running a sex stall called Fumble in the Jumble. So you can come and buy my new, not used, uh, sex toys. That's a shame. I was there until you clarified. (laughs) (laughs) No, everything will be thoroughly, thoroughly hygienic and disinfected. You can come and buy all sorts of um, toys and erotic lingerie and stockings and, and all sorts of frippery at knockdown prices. And the money will go towards helping women's rights uh, in Myanmar. Oh, sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. What's going to be the big seller, do you predict? What are you stocking up on? Have you heard of this fairly new toy called an LV? It's like a little mint-coloured egg. Uh-huh. You pop this little egg inside you, and it's got air pressure sensors, so when you clench your pelvic floor muscles around mm. it, it makes a little pink blob on your mobile phone screen jump up and down. So by completing the physical exercises with your vaginal muscles, you can complete levels on a game. You essentially, it's like a Fitbit for your bits. No one needed to gamify that. 
Well, actually, they did. For all the benefits that Kegels, a.k.a. pelvic floor exercises, can bring to women, lots of lasses are actually doing them wrongly. Rather than squeezing tight inwards, they tend to bear down and push their cervix towards uh, towards the floor, right. which is not as helpful. Okay. Well, I, what I would like for that particular device, you said it was called an LV? An LV, yeah. yeah. Is a Chrome extension for Google Maps. So that, you know, instead of having to look at my phone or an Apple Watch, it could just buzz when I had to turn left or turn right. Well, so you could actually be directed by your dick. Exactly. You follow your knob. <laughs> Literally do that. <laughs> uh, let's get on to the question of the week. It is from a man who has chosen to remain anonymous. And he says, Alex, I have a question for you about orgasms. Oh, one of my favourite topics. Uh, he says, for the past couple of years, my wife has had a marina coil for contraception. What's a marina coil? Nothing to do with boats. No. <laughs> um, it's an intrauterine system that works in two ways. Uh, it stops a baby from being conceived physically because of its shape. But like, it also... it, like every other coil. Uh, yeah, like but... every other coil. But it also contains hormones. Oh, I was hoping for seaweed. And what do the hormones do? It contains a form of progestogen which works in a, in a couple of ways. It thickens the mucus around the cervix. Mm-mm. <laughs> there's, a de- there's a yeah. delightful image for uh-huh. you. So if an egg was to be implanted there, it wouldn't be able to attach and, and grow. Right, OK. All clear on marina coils. That's what she has currently. Yes. Before this, he says, we use condoms, which was OK, but I'm sure I'm not the only guy who's found sex without rubber interference to be hugely more preferable. Uh, during the condom era, my wife had had no problems having orgasms, but since she's had the coil, and here's the rub, uh, she has found it difficult to reach a climax. She still gets turned on, and she says she enjoys sex, but of course we're both wondering if it's the coil preventing her from having an orgasm. In the guidelines for the marina coil, it does say a common side effect is reduced sex drive. So should we naturally assume this also means that orgasms will be more difficult or near impossible? And if the best course of action is to have the coil removed, then what contraception would you recommend as being the next best to try? He still wants that condom-free experience, but uh, preferably with the wife able to reach climax. Uh, What would you advise? Well, it could well be that uh, this couple are being foiled by their coil. Very good. Uh, There are multiple reports, uh, anecdotally, from women of the marina coil making it more difficult for them to achieve climax. Yep, that's the thing. There are loads of good things about it. For a start, uh, once it's been implanted, it can work for up to five years. Wow. So if if it does work well with your body, you can... Pop it up there and leave it for half a decade. Without Can't leave a condom on for half a decade. No, not without no. some serious soreness. <laughs> we should. I should point out at this juncture, actually, uh, although it's very, very effective at preventing babies from being made, uh, it will not prevent you from contracting STIs. So uh, unless you're Mm. in a committed relationship and you've both been tested, uh, you'll want to use condoms in addition to a coil uh, to prevent any hideousness from Mm -hmm. gnawing away at your schlong. Yeah, but that's out of the way. There's loads of great stuff about the marina coil if it works for you. But yes, it can make it more difficult to orgasm. So we don't know that that's the case here, but you reckon it is quite likely. It's it's a possibility. Our um, listener doesn't say 
how old his wife is. Um, it might just be that her body is naturally changing. Um, it can become more difficult to orgasm or you can find that you orgasm through different types of stimulation mm. uh, as you get older. So if they've been having sex in exactly the same way for years and years and years, it might just be that those old tricks aren't working for his, for his missus anymore. OK, so that sounds like a fun thing to experiment with if, if that's the course of action. Yeah, absolutely. But if it is the marina coil that's causing issues, they do have lots of other avenues that they can pursue. Obviously, I'd say go to your GP um, without running all sorts of blood pressure tests, etc. I can't say from our podcast whether this is the right way to go for them. But if they like the convenience of a coil, but find that the hormones involved in the marina are causing issues, a a hormone-free more traditional coil or IUD, intrauterine device, might be the way to go. And as someone who's got no experience with this at all... Do you have to have a, a medical professional administer it? Is it, yes, su- is you it do. surgery? Uh, or do they just stick it up there? They pretty much just pop it up there. Okay. It, take, it usually takes around 15 to 20 minutes to put in, I think. Uh, the way that it works is what the doctor will first do is use a speculum to open up the women's, the woman's, um, Foof. The same way as if you were having a cervical (laughs) smear. The medical mask (laughs) slip. Yes. In the same way as if you were having a cervical smear. Sure. They come packaged in a very, looks like a very thin straw. And the doctor will insert that up through the vaginal canal, up through the hole in the cervix and into the womb. And then it's uh, it's sort of kind of, it kind of opens out. Coils look like a tiny T-shape. They sit with the widest part at the top of the womb and then the the vertical part pointing down. And from the bottom of that, there come two plastic strings that sit in the vaginal canal. Hmm. If a lady reaches up inside herself, she should be able to feel those strings. In fact, it's advised that she check on around once a month that those strings are still in place just to make sure that nothing has moved. And if they're not, where's it gone? Well, somewhere up your fallopian tube. I don't want to scare anybody because this is very, very rare, but it is possible for a coil in unusual circumstances to migrate through the wall of the womb. Yeah. That can happen, yeah. I presume coils through history have got rather more sophisticated, actually. Yes, they have. The only ones would have been just like chastity belts, really, wouldn't they? Effectively, like a big block of iron. No, not quite. The UK's steel industry wasn't worn down by women having vast amounts of metal implanted into their bits and bobs. Well, we need to do everything we can to save Port Talbot at this point. (laughs) No, they've always been quite small coils, but yes, the technology involved in them has advanced. They're having a bit of a renaissance, actually, the traditional coils, because more and more women are finding that they don't want to be on hormonal contraception anymore. After the pill being celebrated for such a long time as a way of freeing women and, and liberating them, nowadays a lot of lasses are, are coming back around and thinking that they, they don't actually want their bodies to be dominated by that amount of um, fake hormone. Mm. And the traditional coil can be left in, as we say, for years and years. In most cases, it won't upset the body, but it will prevent pregnancy. So it can be a great choice for lots of people. Uh, If you have a question about your foof, then uh, be sure to send it in. Alex, what should people do? Head over to modernman, that's M-A-N-N.co.uk, click on feedback and then send your queries my way. Good work. And put some kisses at the end if you're feeling generous. I like love. 
And we feel the love if you get in touch with any feedback you have on our website, modernman.co.uk. Uh, remember as well to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we are at itunes.com slash man. Big thanks to Adam Lightfoot, an Englishman in San Diego, uh, who used his review on iTunes to suggest that he should become our San Diego ambassador. Uh, now, initially, uh, I was only awarding country-by-country country ambassadorships, uh, but that said, the USA is a big territory. I'm just not really comfortable having an ambassador city-by-city city because that might lead to turf war. Uh, Adam, what I will do is I will make you modern man ambassador for Southern California. Enjoy. Uh, well, that's nearly it. Our theme is by Django Django off their debut album, and this is our track of the week. It's from rockabybabymusic.com. Uh, tweet us if you can guess what it is. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer, Matt Hill, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.